Welcome to the Mike Smith Show podcast. This is your one-stop shop for all the latest happenings in BC. From breaking news and developing stories to giving the big headlines a closer look, the Mike Smith Show is here to keep you dialed in and up to date. Let's begin. But first, this story is still making headlines because there's plenty of reaction. It was a tight vote on a controversial issue, but the newly elected Vancouver School Board has picked up on a key plank in the ABC Vancouver platform and the school liaison officer program, the controversial one, yeah, it's going to be coming back, coming back no later than September. Well, talking about this and joining us uh, this morning is Vancouver School Board Chair Victoria Jung. Victoria, thanks so much for being with us. Hi, Bruce. Great to be with you. Um, my last name is Jung. Just to, just to correct you on that this morning. Ah, terrific. Well, thank you very much, Victoria. And, uh, you know, that program was scrapped uh, by the previous board back in, well, April of 2021 after a third-party review and many expressed concerns over how officers were really received by by the Black and Indigenous students. Uh, What's going to be different this time? So we we have heard and, and we do hear from the BIPOC community, it, it is a very sensitive topic um, with lots of polarizing views. Our number one priority is is we're committed to fostering safe, welcoming, and inclusive learning environments for students and staff. So all the input uh, will inform the creation of the new program. So when we start to hear some of the concerns being expressed, and if you look through social media, there are plenty of them, uh, members of the Black and Indigenous uh, uh, communities are still very concerned. Are you listening to these concerns, or are you confident that uh, what you have in the new uh, new way, new approach is going to be okay? All right. It's our intention the new program will reflect the input from the 2021 uh, report, the Argyle report, along with the input from stakeholders and community. We heard from over 80, uh, 80 people through delegations and hundreds and hundreds of emails. So thank you to everyone who reached out and all of it will be considered um, and will be uh, used to create the new program. That still is not really addressing the concerns that are being expressed right now. You've probably seen some of the social media outreach. Um, have you talked to any of the people that are expressing some of their uh, their worries that actually having officers back in the school is not really reflective of how uh, students may feel uh, not safe and secure in their learning environments? Our job is to, to keep kids and staff safe uh, and to create environments where they do feel safe. So as I mentioned, all of that will be considered. The new program has yet to be created, yet to be built. Uh, As we look to develop that MOU, the intent is, is to create a great program. And so all of those details will be worked out. And I can't stress enough how much all of the engagement has been invaluable to that creation of the new program. Talking with uh, Vancouver School Board Chair Victoria Young about the school liaison program, the officer school liaison program. Coming back into Vancouver schools, a controversial decision decided earlier this week, uh, but it uh, was in place in the schools for close to 50 or 60 years before April of 2021. What is, uh, Victoria, what is the purpose of that program? Uh, 
Well, the, the, the purpose is to create a safe environment and to uh, for students and teachers. And we've seen a lot of input from both sides who um, who, who are the, the importance of, of preventative measures in schools and, and what that means to the community. And so that is the intention of the program is to foster safe, welcoming, inclusive learning environments for both students and staff. I don't understand what that means, uh, creating a safe environment. Uh, isn't that something teachers do already? How is having officers into the school creating a safe environment? There's a lot that happens in the school system that, that might not be um, shared with the public. Teachers, the job of teachers is to teach. And so the stress of things outside of that scope can be shared through resources such as the uh, SLO program or the Safe and Caring Schools team. By bringing these uh, officers back into the school, that is part of a um, a platform uh, of the ABC uh, Vancouver Party. But uh, was there a demand for it? Uh, how did this come about? What did you hear? Was there some sort of zest for getting these back into the schools? The public had... Uh, parents, teachers, and students had shown interest in the program coming back. It was, uh, as as you mentioned, it was a platform um, from one of the parties, and it it most definitely through through engagement and through the many letters that we've been sent over the last few weeks, we have have seen a um, a lot of interest in that program coming back, yes. Is this more about uh, cracking down on crime and gathering intel on students? This is about creating safe environments. There, are, there As I mentioned, there's lots that happen, happens in schools. And to put more pressure on teachers, uh, I, I think that that, uh, that falls outside of their scope. And so this is just another resource to assist in, in, in the safe environments that we really, that is our number one goal at the VSB. I'm still trying to figure out what you mean by this safe environment, though. Uh, Are we talking about dangerous students, Uh, a safe environment and having officers in there? Um, Maybe I'm missing something. I'm just trying to figure out what the connection is. Well, there's a lot, lots that happens in and around Metro Vancouver. um, And and I think kids just need more resources and teachers need more resources for help in preventative measures. Or we've seen in the news some some things happening in and outside of Vancouver that require um, those additional resources, and so we want to have those in place so that um, so those are they feel supported, so teachers and students feel supported. First clock it in for Mike Smith. Well, it was a controversial decision and a narrow vote at the Vancouver School Board on Monday. The decision to bring back the Vancouver. Uh, program that actually has officers in the school, the school liaison officers right into the hallways. Um, Something that uh, was kind of edged out back in the spring of 2021. Uh, We were talking with the chair of the Vancouver School Board about this Victoria Young talking about safety being one of the uh, the reasons for that and trying to create a safe environment. Well, there may be more than one way to look at that. Patty Backus has been a longtime trustee and a trustee during uh, the time where there were liaison officers in Vancouver schools. 
Uh, Patty Backus, uh, good morning. Thank you very much for joining us. Good morning, Bruce. Thanks for having me. You're an education advocate. Uh, You're somebody that uh, continues to follow these issues very closely and also the representation of various communities around Vancouver, uh, bringing them back into the classroom, the school liaison officers. Well, we just heard uh, in the last uh, 15 minutes from the chair of the Vancouver School Board that it's about creating a safe environment. Is it? Well, you know, I was chair of the Vancouver School Board longer than anyone in history has been. <laughs> and I can tell your previous guests that making schools safe does not uh, involve having armed police officers roaming hallways. It's having adequate numbers of school counselors, youth and family workers, perhaps even school nurses, coaches, mentors, people who build relationships with students who know them in an educational setting. I don't know about you, but if I'm at an event or somewhere and suddenly armed police police officers walk in the room, people notice. It it makes some people nervous. And what what we heard during what was a very robust consultation before the decision of the prior board was a lengthy, structured consultation process, including a very comprehensive report from a company called Argyle Communications that was hired to do it. And it was a really, like, let's look at the students that we may normally not hear from. Let's think about the voices that aren't necessarily reflected at the board table. This isn't about what someone like me or you feel about our interactions with police and whether we feel safe. We need to look at students from communities that are have been marginalized, have maybe not been successful in school, and why that is and why they haven't felt that way. And that's what was done by the previous board. This new board came in with a, in very short order after being just sworn in and probably haven't even had the orientation yet and made a very uh, big decision to overturn what had been a very long, thoughtfully made decision. And I think that's a bit reckless. And I think, uh, I think it will not go over well. And, you know, an added twist to this very unfortunate turn of events was we have actually ABC does not have a majority on the Vancouver School Board. They have four seats. Four other seats are held by board trustees who have very clearly said they do not support the program. The the final vote there is uh, Christopher Richardson, who initially was running with ABC, but was actually expelled from the party before the election. He is now an independent. He's also a special constable of the Vancouver Police Department. So to have the, what is essentially a deciding vote cast by someone who is actually a special police officer with the, a police constable with the Vancouver Police is, is very problematic in my opinion. Well, what I was trying to draw out from Victoria Young, and I don't think uh, I actually got there, was uh, the fact that uh, perhaps there is a very strong role that the Vancouver Police Department uh, can play in having a visible presence. And this is not just Vancouver. It could be any school liaison program anywhere in the province. But um, the the role has to change, and there has to be something more than just an idea of uh, creating a safe place, which, uh, to me, I, I just didn't hear how that's possible. Well, it isn't, and it's inappropriate. Um, we have numbers of ways we can make schools safe. Uh, the reality is the school liaison officers are seldom the ones who would respond to an actual emergency. The Vancouver School Board has an ongoing relationship with the Vancouver Police. When there is an emergency or some sort of a threat of violence or an intruder or something along those lines, 
like everyone else, it's a 911 call, <laughs> and they will respond. Um, the police in schools, it's somewhat of a public relations exercise for the police, and I would say that that is not an appropriate place to be doing their public relations work. You know, the reality is we know for some populations, police are not necessarily safe people to go to at all times. We know some parents teach their kids to be very careful and cautious in interactions with police because they are disproportionately likely to be criminalized, handcuffed, incarcerated, beaten, in some very tragic cases, possibly killed by police. So not not everyone believes police are your friend and for some very good reasons. And we know that uh, what this decision, what this issue really is about, it's the systemic problem of racism in policing. We have a chief in Vancouver who has denied that exists, yet we've had incident after incident, uh, including the arrest and handcuffing of an Indigenous grandfather and child uh, for trying to, the crime of trying to open a bank account. Um, we know there are problems. It's, it's clear that the systemic issues in policing, and not just the Vancouver police, those need to be addressed. If those are addressed and taken on, and, and solid work is done to change that, I think people would feel more comfortable with police. Well, let's school. pick but up they, on that part, because I, I do think there probably is a role for a liaison officer or a presence in uh, in public schools, but I'm not hearing it, and I'm not hearing it outlined right now. Um, what that role could be is, if we are honest and take a look at the history of the past, and uh, and even present news, we do know that there is a problem. We know that there is a problem with black, indigenous uh, students, um, students who are neurodiverse and how they're received uh, or how they may feel about officers in the school. But there's an opportunity. Do you think if this program was thought through, through properly that there could be a positive role, a learning opportunity for police? I don't think it's a, an opinion my opinion is what counts in this. I want to hear from communities that have historically felt threatened by police, have been mistreated by police, who are the voices that spoke out. I heard Indigenous mothers, students, Black students, speaking about why they felt uncomfortable at school. There are, as we know, historical reasons that uh, make that entirely understandable. If your parents had been dragged to residential school by police, you might not have a very good opinion of them. I think we need to truly understand those are the people we need to talk to about, is there a role? And I'm not convinced there is. Um, and if so, what would that look like? I don't think as a, as a white middle-aged woman, that's really my place to say. I haven't had those experiences personally. What I would suggest to your previous guest, the new chairperson, Victoria Young, is that it's very important not to assume the lens of your own experience as the lens of others. Part of the role of trustee is to truly listen and look to those who have maybe not been traditionally successful in school, felt safe in schools, and ask why and understand. It's her job to ensure every single child feels safe and welcome at school. This is Bruce Claggett filling in for Mike Smith. And after yesterday's long drive home, hours for some people, it begs the obvious question, do many of us even know how to drive or drive well when it comes to snowy conditions? And what about those who have to drive for work? Many of us, it's not just commuting, it's uh, actually using our vehicles in the workplace. And well, there is a group that looks out for that. Road Safety at Work is managed by the Justice Institute of BC, funded by WorkSafe BC. 
and it is tasked with helping to improve the safety of those who drive for work and those who actually work along the roadside. And one of the campaigns that they do every year or they're doing this year is the shift into winter campaign. And with us to talk about that is Trace Akers. Good morning, Trace. Good morning, Bruce. So I have to ask uh, that obvious question. Uh, Do we, as British Columbians, we get a bad reputation, but do we really know how to drive for the conditions? Well, in the lower mainland in particular, in southern Vancouver Island, where we don't really see much snow, um, a lot of people don't really think about it and think about what you need to do to prepare yourself, prepare your vehicle, and uh, and how to drive safely in the, in snowy conditions. So, yeah, probably a good part of the population is a bit unprepared uh, and hasn't had a lot of experience uh, driving in the snow. You know, it's interesting when I talk with my friends in the Okanagan or the Thompson-Nicola, they often say, oh yeah, I hate coming down to Vancouver, not because of the drive down, but the actual drivers around Vancouver. And when you have a shift into winter campaign and talk about preparations, um, I guess getting a Aside from the driving skills, what is that that we have to know about winter and getting ready? What are those top priorities, Trace? Well, to start, it's really where the rubber hits the road, your winter tires. A lot of people refer to them as snow tires, but that's not actually an an apt description because, yes, they do have a more aggressive tread pattern that uh, will prevent you from getting stuck in the snow. But more importantly, winter tires are actually made of a different softer rubber compound that's designed to adhere more to uh, a pavement when uh, temperatures are low. The, the threshold is about 7 degrees Celsius, and anything below that is when your all-season tires, uh, which are designed to, to uh, run all year long and last you a fairly long time, that's when they start to perform less well and winter tires start to uh, uh, give you better performances at those lower temperatures. So, even though you might not see a lot of snow, you should be really thinking about, uh, well, am I going to be encountering lower temperatures? Because if you are, then your winter tires are going to give you better traction and, uh, and be all around safer choice during the winter. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but there is this other uh, type of tire, not um, all season tires, but one that uh, you don't have to switch in and out because they're good for all conditions, like an all condition tire. Is that not an option? Well, it is an option. Those are referred to as all-weather tires, and uh, and it is an option. One of the downsides of those tires, and, and well, one of the positives is that they are made of a uh, softer rubber compound that's going to give you better traction year-round. But one of the downsides is that they wear out faster because they are made of that softer rubber compound. So a lot of people find that it's best, actually, to to run those uh, all-season tires uh, during spring, summer, and fall and then switch over to proper winter tires for the winter months. Now, aside from tires, what else do we need to know equipment-wise before we even get into some of the skills? Well, one of the things that I think is is a, a pretty simple precaution is making sure you've got a, a brush, uh, brush scrapers in your car because uh, one of the key things to be safe during winter conditions, especially when it snows, is to be able to see properly. As we say, see and be seen. Those are a couple of the key things you want to make sure that you're doing because during the winter, of course, we're dealing with uh, um, lower light conditions, less daylight. So you want to make sure you've got that brush and a scraper handy, even more than one, so you can maybe get the whole family involved in uh, clearing the snow off of your car 
before you head out in the morning. It's it's really important uh, that when you do get a snowfall and your car is covered in snow, that you clear the entire vehicle. Because if you just clear your, your windshield, um, the snow that was sitting on your uh, your hood is now going to blow back up into your into your windshield. So make sure your lights are clear, your hood is clear, um, because also you don't want us blowing in the windshield of the vehicle behind you. So um, make sure you got a good brush or a couple of them um, and, and before you head out. Trace, one of the things that uh, we often uh, see on the roads are uh, people that have to drive for a living, whether they are delivery drivers or, um, well, covers almost everything. Uh, what do employers need to know? And do they have a responsibility when it comes to making sure that their drivers are safe, both in terms of uh, this equipment and the skills? Yes, employers do have a responsibility, not only to ensure that the that their employees have the skills that they need, the training that they need to be able to do uh, all year round. Um, but a lot of uh, uh, workers use their own. Oh, I think we may have uh, finally lost uh, Trace Acres there. Uh, let's see if we can get him back. We're talking about uh, some of the things that employers need to know, especially when they have uh, people on the road and uh, driving around. Uh, for these type of winter conditions when uh, that is not the norm. Far from it. We'll get Trace Acres uh, back on the line here to talk a little bit about that and about uh, some of the things that you have to do to look out for the people who are working for you. Trace, uh, we were talking about that just before uh, before the phone line uh, ran into some difficulties, but employers, what do they need to know? Well, not only do they need to uh, know that their employees have the right kind of training, the right kind of skills that they'll need to drive all year long, but they need to make sure that the vehicles that they're putting them out there on the road, uh, that those vehicles are safe and equipped for winter. And they also need to make sure that if the employee is using his or her own vehicle, that that vehicle is also safe, uh, prepared and adequately equipped to, uh, to be able to uh, give them a safe drive during the winter months. Does that mean inspections for vehicles? Have you ever heard of that, especially if uh, employers uh, require uh, some of their employees to use their own vehicles? Do they ever go out and inspect them? Oh, absolutely. And that's something that we uh, encourage employers to do is to uh, make sure that uh, that if, if that employee is using their own vehicle, that they uh, give it a good once-over, make sure it's got the proper tires uh, for the kind of driving conditions that it's going to be doing. Um, yes, it's, uh, it's certainly within the employer's purview to do that. Trace Acres, thank you so much. Uh, certainly some things to think about uh, because, you know what, we got through yesterday, but uh, more winter is ahead. That's right. You need to stay safe out there and, uh, and uh, be courteous. Take your time, uh, give yourself more time, and uh, and increase that following distance between you and the vehicle in front of you. So that, uh, if you need to stop quickly, you've got a better chance of doing so. And it's Bruce Claggett spending time with you in for Mike Smith. You know, when I saw this story, I was really kind of excited because something about me, 
I've always loved maps. In fact, a good detailed map can have me sit down, run my finger over it, start to think about how a system works and uh, how it developed, how communities kind of interact with each other. Maybe it's uh, the geographer in me. But when I saw this story about a new map uh, coming out of the Salish Sea called the Essential Geography of the Salish Sea, Well, I got pretty excited. It's a wall size map, and it gives the viewer a big picture of the whole bioregion of the Salish Sea. That bioregion goes all the way from south of Puget Sound down even south of Olympia, Washington, uh, all the way up to about 300 kilometers north of Vancouver. The person behind this, the person who identified the need for a more detailed Map is self-described cartographer Jeff Clark, who has produced, uh, well, hiking maps in the past. Well, he's with us now. And uh, thanks, Jeff, for uh, spending a little bit of time and talking about uh, your new endeavor, the Salish Sea. You must be pretty excited. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on here. Uh, yeah, pretty excited. Um, don't have time to be excited. I got a slew of orders in from that uh from that Sun article that you were referring to, so it's uh, it's been uh, the press has been going here. Yeah, and I, you know, you only see so much detail in a picture, and uh, looking at the picture on the Vancouver Sun, I can tell what's going to be in that, and I can see why there are so many orders for that map. But uh, tell me uh, a little bit more about the need for it, what you identified, and uh, how this came about. Yeah, sure. Okay, so the map is um, essentially derived from an idea I had uh, a couple of years ago, and I've been working on it. And um, this has to do with essentially capturing the the beauty of a landscape and um, trying to do this to advance people's awareness of the integrated environment that sustains us in this area. And I didn't find any maps around that that had that to offer, so I, I went on a on a bit of a down a rabbit hole here to get that done. And so this is what ended up coming out, you know, just trying to promote cross-cultural understanding, uh, including some Indigenous geographies, and to produce something that's visually striking so people understand it easier. Now, there are, as you kind of made a reference to, other maps out there of the Salish Sea, certainly not overly detailed, but this one from what I'm uh, looking at, at least from the picture of it, I uh, haven't seen the map itself, but uh, it looks like there is... Uh, um, landscape in here. There, there's the cities, uh, but you're also getting into, as you mentioned, uh, some of the history of the area. How does that all come together? It comes together in many, many layers of information. Um, these layers overlay, but try not to bump into each other, so that it makes it easier for you to to read. Um, history is, I think, intrinsically involved here because it's it's part of what makes up this area, whether it's colonial or, or indigenous. Um, they're, they're meshed together whether we uh, like it or not. And so um, I showed, for instance, Mount Rainier down in uh, central Washington with uh, its, its colonial name, which is just named after a person. And then there's also the, the indigenous name for that, or multiple indigenous names, because that's, that's part of the, 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 the cultural uh, landscape here. That's not an easy undertaking when you go through and decide uh, which names or even discover the original names for it. How did you go about with the research? Um, you mentioned three years. Uh, that must have been pretty intense. 
Yeah, the research on on that part uh, for place names was uh, was very involved, um, but it's it's. I think it's an endeavor that would never end. It would be a lifelong work. So what I decided to do, I backed away from that a little bit and decided to look for names and use names uh, respectfully that were in the public domain, like very strongly in the public domain. Um, and that way it provides more of a, a sense of uh, what's behind, um, or maybe it changes the way you think about the landscape by including that. We're talking about uh, the new map that has uh, been produced by, and this is just a wonderful map, uh, cartographer Jeff Clark. And the map is actually called The Essential Geography of the Salish Sea. Salish Sea, of course, is a term that just came around uh, into being back in, uh, I guess, the 1980s, didn't it? Yes, that's uh, it started uh, as a name in the 1980s by uh, Bert Weber from uh, Western Washington University. He was looking for a cohesive name to provide uh, a unified look at, <clears throat> excuse me, at the uh, at the Salish Sea bioregion, which was just coming into into being at that time. That as a bioregion, uh, formally adopted um, by Canada and the U.S. back in 2010. So now it's uh, it's used across the board uh, culturally and scientifically. Uh, so that that provides uh, a good backdrop for people to understand it as a single ecosystem now. Now that you have this wall-sized map that has been developed and uh, is going into production, uh, where does it go? Who who are who's placing the orders for this? Oh, uh, it's, a, it's a huge assortment uh, of people. Um, from accountants to, to scientists and professors and uh, everybody, it's just a, it's just fantastic to see the the interest here in the map because uh, I mean it's going to look good on anyone's wall, so it, it doesn't matter what their background is. It's just it's going to look great. So it is available to the average person. It's not just something that's going to end up in academia or uh, you know at uh, government halls, isn't it? Absolutely not. No, it's available just. Head to my website, and it's you can, you know, it's a standard old click a few buttons, and it's yours. Okay, we'll get to that website in just a moment. Uh, of course, there may be people out there saying, uh, "Why do we even have maps anymore? Uh, we can get everything we want on uh, Google Maps or on the computer somehow, some way." Where do you fall on this? Uh, in line with this argument, I think the the physical presence of a map gives you a much clearer and and, and more um, realistic view of what you're looking at. Looking at a small format screen on your phone, trying to look at this map, for instance, on, on a phone would, would be, I think, very disappointing. Um, having it on a wall where you can go up close to it, walk back, as in you are the one doing the zooming into your map or not, provides a much better um, appreciation for, for the landscape. And a large format map, I don't think they're, you know, they, they're not dead yet. They're, they're still around. And just judging by the the, uh, the interest here, I think that uh, validates that point. It's not just information. This is something you can actually put into a nice frame and have uh, beautifully displayed where you might otherwise have a, a portrait. Yes, people have been doing that. Uh, they've been sending me pictures of their framed maps, proudly sending. And, uh, you know, I mean, this, this map is, uh, I guess we could say it's information as art. You know, you could think of it that way. Um, that would probably sum it up in a in, in a couple of words, um, well three to be exact, and 
um, you know, I, another way I think about it is if nature were to draw a map of the Salish Sea, it might look like this. It's uh, really quite something to see if uh, people are interested and really want to get a hold of this map and uh, put it in order. Jeff, where can they go? Yes, thanks. My website is uh, Geomatics. So that's C-L-A-R-K-G-E-O-M-A-T-I-C-S dot C-A. Terrific. And uh, for those of us that um, may not have caught that right away, uh, Google searching, you can Google search the essential geography of the Salish Sea and follow the links and eventually you'll come across uh, how to order it, I would imagine. That's right. I'll I'll be at the end of that link waiting for your order. (laughs) Absolutely. Jeff, thank you so much for spending time with us. I very much appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Mike Smith Show podcast. Can't wait for the latest episode to drop? Tune into the show live from 9 to noon on 980 CKNW. Want to reach out to me personally with a question or comment? Send me an email, mike at cknw.com. Thanks again for listening.